Welcome to the Wags of SCI podcast, where we discuss life, love, and caregiving after spinal cord injury. Hosted by Elena Pauly and Brooke Paget. Both of our partners are quadriplegics. And after connecting online in 2017, we began the advocacy and support group WAGS of SCI, which is an acronym for Wives and Girlfriends with Spinal Cord Injury. We know firsthand the challenges that come with living this lifestyle. And our mission is to spread education, awareness, and positivity from our unique perspectives. Us each week as we tackle deep discussions around balancing life as a caregiver and a lover to someone with a spinal cord injury. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Wags of SCI podcast. Here we go. Hello, Wags of SCI community. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast with your hosts, Elena Pauly and Brooke Paget. Today, we have another Q&A episode that is going to be really exciting. But first off, we wanted to thank our sponsors for contributing to this grassroots movement of WAGS of SCI. I think it's really important for everyone out there to understand that we could not do what we're doing without the help of our sponsors who believe in us and who are basically angel investors in this community. So a big shout out to Robin Wishart of Wishart Brain Spine Law. Robin has been on our side for four years now, behind the scenes working on our cases and helping a whole slew of WEGS of SCI and their partners to navigate things like insurance, benefits paperwork, letters of medical necessity, resources in the WEGS specific area. She is specifically involved in brain and spinal cord law, so she understands what you're going through. So if you have any questions at all about anything, Robin is there 24-7 to help you out. Please visit our website, wagsofsci.com, and click on the Legal Resources tab to learn more about how Robin helps us in the community. And you can also visit her website, brainandspinelaw.com, to contact Robin directly. We also wanted to send a big shout out to Annalisa and John for sponsoring the podcast. Their company, Rolling in Paradise, is a premier supplier of adaptive equipment. Annalisa is also a proud quad wife, and you can visit their website, rollinginparadise.com, for any sort of sporting or adaptive wheelchair equipment that you could need. Please support a WAG and quad-owned business if you can with your purchases. So today's episode, we are going to be digging into another Q&A episode. We, as we said last time, we have a lot of questions that come into our inboxes and our direct messages, and we think it's a really cool way to talk about these things in a more casual manner and answer these questions so everybody can hear them because, you know, ding, 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 another resource for the community. Yeah, 100%. And it's really great, actually, I feel like we get so many emails coming in with these questions. It's really great to take the time to read through some of the most common ones. So why don't we start with the first one? And um, this is a really good question. How do you say no to invites from people that are outside of the SCI community? So I suppose what they mean is how do you decline invites, lunches, dinners, maybe concerts, whatever the venue is with people who are not living this life of SCI and just simply don't understand all that it takes to go out for events, to meet up with somebody, whether it's, you know, having to check whether the restaurants are accessible or 
having to check to see if the venues are accessible or, you know, can you get into the restroom? Can you get underneath the chair? Can you even enter the restaurant? Which, which I, I know a lot of women in the community have talked about this, where you, you, want to be a part of these events and you want to see your loved ones and you want to spend time with them. But then after you get your partner and you make your way out that way to wherever to meet, to meet your loved ones, you get a lot of surprises. There are so many, so many times that you show up and you realize, Oh my God, I can't even get into this place. So I know that that causes a lot of frustration for a lot of a lot of couples in our community and sometimes it's easier just to say no and miss out on events right well and not to mention like let's just say it's it's really hard to explain to people why you might not be able to come. So sometimes it's just easier to say no and just be like, no, sorry, we're busy or no, we can't. It's always better to be honest, right? But I kind of have started to draw the line with my honesty as well and the explanation because they just don't get it. Um, And I also find that like, so let's just say, you know, your partner isn't feeling the best and he doesn't want to be in a super, super busy place and he just wants to be more relaxed. And because, you know, these guys' nervous systems, well, not to mention our nervous systems, they sometimes can be squirrely, right? And they're, they're, they're sensitive. And sometimes these public outings aren't necessarily the best choice and decision, especially depending how they're feeling. And, you know, and so in order to avoid having to explain all of that, usually I'll just say, no, sorry, um, we're doing something else that day and just not get into too many details. Because I find that when you get into details, that's when the person will be like, oh, no, trust me, it'll be fine. Or like, oh, no, we'll make sure that we help him with this. And then 99% of the time in my experience, and I don't know about you, Elena, but it's been like, not accessible, like they said, Mm -hmm. or they haven't been able to help, or they've been too busy to assist, or like when you take them on their word, they don't really understand. Um, And and I mean, this isn't anyone, this is just blanketing kind of what I've experienced and what we've heard of in the community of like, you know, how family and friends that you may not necessarily know you very well or not have experience with your partner's care or not really understand what you're going through will do. I don't know. What what do you think about that? Yeah, no, I mean, it, it makes sense. I know that all, you know, that's, that's just one example of why you would say no. I mean, the other side of things, um, the other side of things looks like more, more having to do with spinal cord injury symptoms in general, like secondary symptoms that your, your friends and family just don't understand. I know for us this spring, we had to say no to a lot of outings with family, you know, going out for nice dinners, canceling camping trips, family camping trips. We just got a new niece and nephew in our family, just over a year old. So we were really excited, especially because camping can be very accessible, right? A lot of the time, if you have what you need, depending on your level of injury and depending on your needs, if you have the things that you need, like if you're able to transfer into a tent or if you're able to bring, you know, a motor home or it could be a lot of fun because everybody is mostly just sitting around the campfire or sitting around a picnic table. And it's a lot of just relaxing, playing games, um, roasting hot dogs. So that can be a lot of fun. So this year we were really, really disappointed to have to cancel because Dan just was not feeling well enough to be able to even sleep in a, on a mattress in a tent. Right. So 
a lot of these even overnight trips, I think that it's it's very difficult for individuals who are not living this life to understand that, you know, you do need a special mattress, you do need a special bed, and the effects of not having your proper equipment, like a commode or being able to use a bathroom or have, you know, being able to have access to a shower every morning. The effects that these these situations do have on the overall quality of your life, sometimes it's, and I know you've learned this the hard way too, and a few times is sometimes when you don't listen to your gut feeling and you just do it anyways, the repercussions of that and how long it takes to recuperate days after going to an event or just making it work or just pushing through it. And then you come home and then you just feel so you're, you're done. Right. And it's almost like having like a bad hangover for a few days because you're making up your body, your body's making up for, for the bad sleep, (laughs) like literally just making up for not having your proper equipment. You you know, it, it takes a toll. Yeah. And I I really agree with you. Like you just have to pick and choose, right? You have to be picky in this life. Like, I mean, we've all learned, you know, the first couple of years, spinal cord injury, you're, you're recovering. You want to still maintain your friendships and your life as it was. And so you say yes to everything and you learn the hard way that the burnout comes really soon. You have to do things a little bit differently. But that being said, we're not saying avoid these things. We're just saying, listen to your intuition and don't, don't listen to the fear inside of you either. Don't listen to that fearful voice. It's like, Oh, I might not be able to do it even though you really want to go. Right. We're talking about the intuition. That's like, you know what? This isn't for us. This isn't something we want to do. Even if we could really those kind of things, um, just be choosy. You have to be choosy because I mean, also there's a flip side to this coin. You don't want to be too choosy because here's the thing from what we've observed and what we've experienced in our own lives. I have so many examples of this where, like I was speaking about earlier, getting into too many details as to like, you know, say you're at that phase where you're like, okay, well, what's the height of this tear and what will be available here for showering and how can I do this? And will you help me with this? If your list is too long to that person who doesn't understand this life, they get really like depending on obviously who the person is, they can get very kind of like put off and scared. This is what I've seen is, you know, people talk a lot about their circles changing and losing certain friends after spinal cord injury. And I feel like sometimes this has a lot to do with not being invited to places because the able-bodied people are just like, you know what, I don't want to have to like go through this or like have to make it accessible for everyone. And sometimes they just want to do their own thing. And that is totally understandable. I like I completely understand why people would not want to make something accessible or they want to go on this boat cruise and it's not accessible. So they just, you know, they just I mean, a, a classy person would say, you know what, I'm really sorry we're, we're doing this and uh, I'm sorry, but it's not accessible. I hope you understand. It's not personal. But a lot of the time they just stop inviting you places <laughs> and like, that's fine. Like a lot of people can't handle this lifestyle. I, I, I like to be really honest about that. Like a lot of people don't want to put in the extra effort. It takes one in a million to be understanding of a spinal cord injury. It takes one of them in a million to be able to like plan things with accessibility in mind because it's so comprehensive and it's our world is not set up for accessibility. It would be easier um, if it was, but it's not, you know? So, I mean, there's a lot of facets to this. Mm -hmm. I mean, for sure. This is just one example. I was actually, this is totally different, but like I had these thoughts about like the other day I was invited to uh, a get together that we're all having and it was like a barbecue and um, what, what came up was 
do we have two barbecues, one for like the vegetarian vegans and do we have one for the meat eaters? And I almost had this like strange comparison around, (laughs) this is totally different, but around diet in general. And I was like, wouldn't it just be easier if we all just ate vegetarian and then nobody has to worry about whether or not like it's contaminated with meat or whatever. It's kind of like along the same lines of like accessibility. Wouldn't it be just easier if we all just had ramps and everything was accessible so then we could all use it together and then we wouldn't even have to worry about stairs and small door frames and all these other things. You know what I mean? You can apply this theory to really any sort of aspect of life when you're thinking, wouldn't it just be easier if we could all utilize this? So, um, So, I mean, those are some great tips. I think just being really honest, I know with us, like I'll be, I'll be truthful in saying that I got a little bit like almost depressed this spring because I felt like we were missing out on so much and it felt like we were like always we're just canceling, canceling, canceling. And then it's like, it's your partner's injury, but then you also are not doing anything. Like I felt like I was just like, okay, is this going to be the rest of our lives? Like, are we just going to have to miss out on everything and just have to stay home by ourselves when my partner's in pain and in agony and frustration. And then like you have the anger bubbling up and then you have all these crazy intrusive thoughts coming in around. This is going to be the end of our life. Is this, is this what it's going to be like now? And, you know, just having to manage that. So I think, I felt like at first I, I did give a lot of details around why we couldn't, we weren't able to make it out. And then after I was like, I need to stop even talking about this because I need to just say, we just can't do it because you start, you go around in circles, right? Like your brain starts to spiral. You're like, Oh my God, it is that bad. Is it that bad? (laughs) You know? And then it can become very, it becomes kind of sad. So I like what you said about just saying, you know what? No, just can't make it. It's just not going to work. But I think a lot of the time too, we, we, we are naturally wanting to make excuses or, and give reasons, right? Because we don't want people to think that we just don't care. So then we give these reasons and we want them yeah. to know, Oh, but I want to, but I can't because this, 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 right. Cause you don't want people to think you're flaky or you're, you're, just, you know, unreliable or why even bother making plans, but it's, it's an interesting space to navigate. So I think honesty and your friends and family who really love you will take that. They'll, they'll understand, right. They'll get it. And we always say, we're like, you know, you guys go, you enjoy, like still don't cancel the plan, but like everybody else go and enjoy and have the best time ever. And then we'll just, whatever. (laughs) we'll we'll just talk about it (laughs) let's let's talk about the after of that because there's a lot of um posts that we get and discussion around how isolating this life can be and it's true i don't think there's any sugarcoating this there are phases of of you feel pretty isolated however i'm a big proponent in making the most out of your time at home or your time, if you know, if you're in pain, or if you have to go on bed rest, we've talked about this on previous episodes, where you're making the most out of your time together. Um, Whether it's like you and dad like to play games, or like Evan and I will like to get some really nice wine and, and, you know, watch a show or, or cook something together. It's, that time, that quality time, it needs to be treasured. um, Because, whether you like it or not, you can look at other able-bodied couples and be envious of their life and how spontaneous they can be. But I'm telling you, 90% of them are not spontaneous. They don't have a great 
relationship. They have other things that they need to work on. And you need to be grateful for the just just how you have these opportunities to develop that vulnerable personal emotional side to your relationship and your connection that not a lot of able-bodied couples get to do because they have filled their time with other things so i think really appreciating that is important well and it's it's the whole i mean it's a whole thing about like comparison is a thief of joy and your life is not other people's lives are not an Instagram reel. We only no, post highlights. Not. We're only post things that are actually the reason why people make these posts is because it's outside of their norm. It's like you're posting a celebration. You're posting about a birthday, which happens once a year. You're posting about an anniversary. You're, you know what I mean? Like you're posting things that are actually quite rare to your life. It's not an everyday occurrence. And I think sometimes when we see these things, we're always, you know, especially especially adjusting to when your partner first became injured and seeing other couples going on trips and family vacations or, you know, hiking mountains or doing other things, you know, it's, it's really easy to, to sort of sink into that a little bit and be like, Oh my God, am I going to miss out? But the reality is, is that, like you said, you create your own new norm, quote unquote. We learned that we can still play board games. We can still, like you said, go pick out a nice bottle of wine, make watch a nice cooking show, get inspired, get inspired to do other things. We do puzzles at Christmas. Like, you know, we still go out and sit at the ocean. Like there, you, you can still do things. And I actually think that now more than ever, we we didn't so much before, but now we do things together, like plan meals and go to the store together and get excited about, you know, let's pick out certain ingredients so we can do this together. So it changes your, your activities change over time. And I think that's a really good sort of leeway into our next question, which is, um, And I'll let you lead this one here, Brooke, because you are a full-time caregiver. And it is tips on separating caregiver and lover so you can have a better love life. What are some of your tips? Yeah, I'm guessing love life means better sex life, I guess. So I guess, should should we focus on that? Yeah, and a lot of, I think that sexual health questions come in weekly people really want to know there there are a lot of comments just to briefly um dive in there are a lot of comments on our private discussion group around you know i'm only 28 years old and my partner is a t level and we can no longer have sex and you know a lot of the spawn spontaneity or whatever the spontaneous ability to be able to just um, engage in intimate time is it's gone for a lot of people. There's a lot of planning that has to be around that. And even while you're planning situations will arise, things will happen that you won't necessarily be able to have that time together because I don't know, (laughs) you know, uh, I mean like blood pressure issues, AD symptoms. Um, are you taking a medication for your intimate time? Are you not taking a medication? Are you having to go off of the medication? Is there a bowel or bladder accident or there's so many things that can happen that can really change what that looks like for people. So what are some of your tips? Well, I, firstly, I don't think it's an easy thing to do to be able to separate yourself. Um, 
like, let's just say you do the majority of the caregiving. Let's just say you're involved in his bowel and bladder routine. Um, things that aren't necessarily romantic. Um, things that involve bodily fluids that are not romantic bodily fluids, I guess. Um, but you know what? I, I will start by saying that I think that as young women, just women in general in this day and age, I think we have been groomed. Um, in fact, I know we've been groomed by the media, by our friends, by social media about the importance of the throwdown. Um, and what I mean by that is I think society places so much importance on the power play of sex and the throwdown and getting your, your partner making his, you know, having his way with you and the importance of physical, the physicality of sex versus the emotional connection. Um, I think in certain groups, this is shifting, but in the SCI community, I have seen so many comments, so many responses and emails from women who have not only realized after their injury, after saying, you know what, I can sit here and be upset that my sex life isn't the same. Like what you're saying, you know, comparison is the thief, thief of joy. The biggest th- mistake you can make is comparing your life now to your able-bodied life. Um, that is a recipe for suffering especially since it doesn't exist anymore. Um, And so I feel like that's the biggest thing in our community is is the comparison, once again, Um, the comparison to how things were before, how you felt before, how your partner took control and how he was able to like please you in different ways. What about something new? You've You've been given an opportunity to experience a different way. Now, there are couples around the world that don't even touch when they have sex. They literally are tantric practitioners or they are vibrational. Se- like there are so many different kinds of sex out there that people participate in, even online sex, like through Zoom. Um, some people only do that. There are so many ways that you can find pleasure again after this injury. The whole thing about the mindset of it is the biggest obstacle. So being able to get through and move past the whole suffering of my life is different now, what am I going to do and comparing it through that, if you can move through that, then the next hurdle you've got is to be able to, I was going to say compartmentalize, but that's not what I'm, 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 I I mean, kind of like separate the two in your own mind of caregiver versus lover and work through those feelings because it is quite difficult to do that, especially when you're dealing, like I said earlier, with uh, <laughs> with bodily fluids and things that are definitely not romantic. So once you've kind of gotten over the whole comparison and you want to kind of make the most out of your relationship, right? Then you got to work with this. But I'm just being honest here. It's a lot of work, right? So how do you work with that? How do you like get yourself mentally, because it is mostly all mental. It is for me anyways. And from what I've seen from other women talking about this, it is a mental hurdle you have to get over where you've trained yourself in a certain way. Your body is a computer or your brain is a computer. Your brain learns things, right? You've trained yourself that things are this way. Now you're doing something different. That is tough. And then to be able to like reprogram your brain to think that caregiving and doing the bowel routine isn't 
something that needs to be gross or isn't something that needs to be unsexy. It's just something you're doing, right? And so for me personally, and this is just my own personal experience, I was able to train myself to have a lot of love for myself in what the care I was providing my partner and how much I was helping him and to be able to turn that thought process and that mental state into that is romantic. So I don't know if that makes sense for anybody listening right now, but I was able to like basically say, you know what, I'm doing a very loving thing for my partner. I am helping him live his life. I am helping him with very, very intimate care and that trust that exists between the caregiver and the partner and the husband and wife, that trust of, I trust you to deliver this care to me and help me with these things that are my most intimate and my most vulnerable things that I can let someone do. That to me was romantic. And so from that, I was able to kind of be like, you know what, this isn't gross. Um, This isn't like something that I would rather not be doing. This is something I'm doing to really contribute to this person's life. And that to me is love. That to me can be turned into romance. And so then from there, you get to a place where you're like, okay, I'm really contributing to this person's life. I feel appreciated. I feel valued. I feel like my skills are really helping someone. The, the look he gives me after I help him shower and after I help him dress and after we're joking around when we're doing things that are like cleaning up a, a pee accident, when we joke around and make light of it, I always go back to that vulnerable position that he is in and how I am helping him live his life and how tender and beautiful that is. And so, yeah. So long story short, I think you have to work with yourself mentally to get yourself out of what you've been trained in society to feel like or what you've been trained as a previous version of yourself as to what normal is. We always go back to that new normal, right? But it is work. Like people think, and there's so many wags on the on the group that just think that you're going to be able to move through this, no problem, that it's just a phase. No, it's work. You have to work on your mind, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think also- One of the hardest things can be is just being really present, being present in these moments, not which kind of goes into the next question as well is being present in everything that you are experiencing together and allowing it to to go through you, allowing you to feel all the emotions and all the feelings instead of like disconnecting. Because I used to do that when, of course, and stress, right? And stress just, just, uh, just kind of dis- not disconnecting, but stressful situation occurs and you're kind of like in autopilot to try to deal with it as quickly as possible. That when the dust settles and you're done dealing with the situation, you still have all the other stuff bubbling over and coming up. And the question that I'm referring to here is, The question says, how do you manage your anger or resentment that could arise in stressful situations of caregiving? And we had an example of this this morning. So my partner has caregiver that comes in for an hour and a half in the morning and does his shower, getting dressed, a bowel routine, all of that good stuff. And I guess, you know, things didn't go quite as smoothly. So when she left and, and, uh, when she left, I guess, you know, he had an accident and this is sort of in the middle of you and I had a meeting this morning 
you know, first thing in the morning. And then I came out from, from the office slash spare room to go talk to dad about the meeting. And I said, Oh no, um, I could tell something was off. And he said, yeah, I have an unfortunate situation. So then here I am. And then I have another meeting with you to go into. And in between that time, the stressful situation is I don't have the time to help him. Now I have to undress him, put him in the commode, shower him. Then he gets showered, then back into bed, get him back dressed, get him back in his chair, get him situated, right? This takes a lot of time, but it also takes a lot of patience. And I can, and I am not the best at this. I'll be the first one to admit it. But I also realize that we've been put in this position where there is nobody else to help. You know, there's nobody else. And I think the thing that really got me was at the end of all, you know, all of this, I still have to now change the bedding because we had a bit of an accident. Then I have to mop the floors. Then I'm looking in the laundry basket for match socks so I can get him some socks. And that's where, that's where my frustration comes in is I wish we just had more help with the things that I have to do. Because I said to Dan, I said, you know, now that you're sorted out and you're ready to go, now you can go live your day. You can go to the gym. You can go do what you need to do. But here I am still, after I'm done work this morning, I'm still going to have to do all of the household chores and clean up from everything that just happened. And I think that's... (laughs) Literally, that's exactly what it feels like. It feels like you kind of feel like you're like spiraling, right? You're, and and I think I said this to you too this morning. I said, you know, I feel a bit of an anxiety from all of the things that I have to do today. And you said, uh, okay, so do you, are you really that busy? Do you have a lot to do today? But it's being able to, in these stressful situations as a caregiver, and I think anybody who is a parent can also relate to this, is things happen And you have to be able to adjust to things happening all the time Um, and realizing that you just have to be present and just take it one step at a time. So this is something, I mean, we're seven and a half years in, I am still not being compensated for anything I do for my partner, Um, you know, including caregiver leaves. And then there's a big mess to clean up. I still put my life on hold and maybe I'll be late for work. Maybe I'll have to cancel plans, but it's like, I put my life on hold and and am the only person to do this. So how, you know, and I I kind of try to dissect it a little bit because Dan was, we were talking about it. He says, what is it about this? That's making you really frustrated. And I said, I guess it's just the lack of, I feel like I'm not being supported myself. I feel like I don't have a lot of options and I feel like I still have to continue doing this, even though I don't want to be doing this. I need to go to work. I need to go start work. I can't be, you know, like how, how do you do that? You feel like your needs are secondary because there is no other support system in place. And that's the hard piece is, you know, you you start to bubble over with resentment and it's not at my partner. It's that's not what I'm saying. The resentment and the anger comes from being stuck in such a position where I said, I can't believe it's been seven and a half years. And it's like, we're still just trying to figure out the right program for us where we can hire more caregivers, or we can try to get me compensated for this. But it's, 
it's a hard position to be in. And if I think if, if I wasn't feeling anger at the chaos of everything, that would be very strange, but it's something that I, I think I'm trying to work. And I think a lot of women in our community, like when we ask, when we ask polls around, are you being compensated for the care that you give? And a lot of women say no, that they can't because they're a spouse because of their marital status or because of this or that. Of course, that's going to bring those barriers and that red tape brings a lot of frustration because you feel like you don't have a lot of options. Well, yeah, firstly, thanks for sharing all of that. I feel like the women listening right now are going to get so much from what you just shared, because not only is it really honest, but also, you know, we're doing a Q&A episode. And a lot of these questions that we get, and these discussions that we have, there are no answers, really. It's like you, you know, you were saying it's just a tough situation that is not ideal, that you have been put in front of that you have to deal with. And it's, there are no simplistic answers, like to all these questions, the the last two questions that we answered, like the one about separating caregiver and lover, and then now dealing with anger and resentment. The one thing that is, that is something you can lean on during all of this, because everyone's different. Everyone deals with different emotions. Everyone deals with different situations that are put in front of them. A lot of these things, most of these things are things that you really have no control over, right? Like Dan doesn't have control if he has an accident. There's no control as to like what time of the day it happens or what work you're doing or, you know, who's there and who's not there. You don't have control over the fact that your partner's penis doesn't work the same as it used to and that you're struggling with these emotions that come up when you're trying to separate caregiver and lover. You don't really have control over that. The one thing you do have control over is, like you said earlier, being present with what is happening and not denying it for what it is, because that would be, you know, bypassing or denying reality, looking at it for what it is and looking at it as an opportunity and, um, a situation that's presented that you have no control over, that you have the opportunity to develop not only your skills, but your mindset and your wisdom as a person. Like we always talk about this, how the one silver lining of being a wag of SCI over and above everything else is the ability for you to handle stressful situations and deal with things that are coming at you that are out of your control with grace And learning how to, even if you can't deal with them with grace as of yet, learning how to work with yourself so that you will be able to do that. And so you'll be able to have something happen where you can look back two years ago and say, holy shit, I would have had a meltdown. I would have been sick for three days after something like this happened. I would have been so upset. I wouldn't have been able to calm myself down. And now look at me. You know, I have some fleeting waves of frustration and anger, which are totally normal. I get pissed off at the system acknowledge those feelings. We all have them. And then I can let them go so much easier. Like, holy shit, I've come a long way, right? My, Like they say, your container has gotten way bigger than it was because mm-hmm. we all know what it was like at the start of our partner's injury. We were completely disassociated from what we were doing. We were had no idea what was going on. We were stressed out. We were having issues with our health. The, the list is endless. But the one commonality is this injury, no matter what you're dealing with, gives you so many opportunities to work with yourself and work on yourself. And that's like literally at the end of the day, it's it's an asset. Like these are the type of people, if I was a CEO, I would hire people like caregivers because. Right. Well, it's, you the, know? it's the multitasking too. Like sometimes I get sort of waves of like, 
And we've, we've talked about this in the past, how I feel like every single person on this planet should have experience as a server of, of how to multitask tables and grabbing food and running drinks and taking orders and keeping your cool because you can't let anybody know because your tip depends on it. I feel like there is, you know, a server or a caregiver. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like it's actually like helped with caregiving. Like it's like dance in the shower. He's asking for his urinal. I'm trying to get the catheter, trying to get the urinal, trying to get a towel, you know, at the same time, pulling the commode into the room or out of the room into like there's just so much grabbing the sling, grabbing the lift, setting it all up, making sure that you remember how to crisscross applesauce, everything. <laughs> like there's just so much involved that I think if, if I think that sometimes like when our family members do see these things, they kind of like look at like, let's say we're at his, at his families or his parents place and let's say we have a situation like this happen like where he has like a bowel accident or something that it's like I think people are just like kind of fascinated by how many arms a caregiver has to be able to juggle and uh and sort of keep your cool as much as you can I guess I mean there's nothing what else do you do there's nothing you don't have there's nothing to do there's nothing to do. You don't really have a There's whole no lot of options. You don't really have a whole lot of options. You don't have a lot of anything. Um, I mean, you don't have a lot of other <laughs> other options besides just being really present and just being like, okay, this is happening. But I mean, it, you know, for somebody who wants the option of not being a caregiver, that is something that can be very frustrating because how can you yeah. ever keep how can you keep a job outside of the home when you're mm-hmm. consistently calling in sick or calling in late or what whatever because you don't have any other options? Like these are the realities of the women in our community is how do you balance work, home life, intimate life, friendships, family, your own personal mental and physical health, like just being able to balance everything because we all, we all just have 24 hours in a day, right? Like we, yeah, it feels like not enough time. And I feel like it feels like time is going by faster and faster every year. And you, you know, you look at every single injury anniversary or whatever that, that passes and you think, Oh my God, seven and a half years have passed 20 years have passed. 30 years have passed. I'm still doing this. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And yeah, there are like, there are no, there are no solutions other than like just getting back to you, always getting back to you and what your body is telling you and developing those skills in itself and learning how to discern, you know, what is fear? What is anxiety? What is, what am I seeking right now? It's all about you, right? You can't change the situation that's happened to you. You can, you never can. You can't change what is being presented to you. You can only change your perspective and how you feel about certain things. And so that's why every time we talk about these things, I always go back to like the importance of, of self-care and how important it is to really spend time reflecting as these things are happening, how it feels in your body, being aware of what those feelings are. What does frustration feel for you in your body? How does it feel different this time than it did before? What are some things that you've added or subtracted from your life that are making your life better or worse? Like this is all the stuff that you have control over and only you, right? And so that's why it's such a personal thing. And so like, that's one thing that Wags Vestia is really passionate about in general is the message of get back to who you are, get back to you as a person and how you're feeling in the moment and 
notice it and work with it and baby yourself when you can. And, you know, what is your body telling you and how can you listen to it more effectively? And there's no solution that, like you were saying earlier, you know, I'm anxious about all the things I have to do today. There's no solution other than just keep bringing it back to the present. What do I have to do right now? What's in front of my nose right now? You know, that there's no other solution. And so, yeah, I I think it's really important to talk about these things though, to let everybody know that you're not alone and not knowing what to do. None of us really know what to do, <laughs> right? Well, we all kind of go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think it's also being really kind and patient with yourself that you will, you may need to rearrange your schedule and your life and the things that you had planned for one day. Um, yeah. And just, you're going to have to just shove it to the next day. It's like the laundry yeah. will still be there tomorrow. It's fine. It's not like an emergency situation that you need to attend to right this second. But um, obviously it's, it can be overwhelming because that's life. But being, being able to be like, okay, whatever, I'm not going to do it all, all at once, all today. It's fine. Some things are going to have to shift and change. So and it's all relative to like we 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 always talk about able-bodied couples and able-bodied people, and this isn't any different. The overwhelming and the overwhelming lifestyle and the stresses of life, um, it's not different for able-bodied people. It's mm-hmm. still they still have overwhelm. They still have things bubbling up inside of them. They still have anger, resentment. It's all relative right? That's why it's like when people don't understand this lifestyle, you kind of understand why they don't understand because they're absorbed into their own problems and their things that they think are the worst things ever, right? And so it helps to kind of bring yourself back to that and realize that this was uh, Mm -hmm. the life that was put in front of you. This was what you have to work with by choice, right? Like you said earlier, you can choose, right? And so when you choose a certain way, it's an opportunity and it's an opportunity to know yourself better and to work with yourself and to just be a better human in general, which, you know, it's like a mega dose of this every day for us, which it's a learning experience, but it's also something that, that most able-bodied people don't get to experience this much of a dose of how to deal with yourself and how to deal with what is going on the best way that you can um, on such a rapid basis, right? And how to get to a place where you can balance your stress, right? Some people Mm -hmm. wait till they're retired. We always talk about this, Elena, how people wait until they're 55 to start dealing with their, their stuff. And then they just get sick, right? Yeah. They stop working and they get sick. We have the opportunity where we literally cannot function as caregivers. If we don't deal with our shit, if we don't deal with our stuff, we get sick super quickly. We um, are always on the verge of being stressed out. So we have to, you know, be bobbing above the water all the time. And we have to make sure we look after ourselves. A hundred percent. So once again, thank you for those, those questions for the submissions. If you are listening to this podcast right now and you would like, um, for us to touch on any other topics or answer any other questions, please feel free to send that over to wags of SCI at gmail.com. And we will do our very best to tackle some of these not so easy questions, but they also don't have really the right answers. And, you know, just remember to take it one step at a time, take a deep breath, 
and stay as present as possible. And if you are not already a member of the WAGS of SCI private discussion group community, please feel free to join on Facebook, WAGS of SCI private discussion group. And that is for members only if you are a wife or a girlfriend of an individual who's living this life with a spinal cord injury. So until next time, take care of yourselves and love one another. Cheers.